stopping by. Glad to have uh, Kay Smythe in it. Great news with Kay on a Monday. Kay, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm living the dream, getting it done. So you and I talked a little bit after the debate last week. Um, I am on record saying, and I'll, I'll continue to say this because it's true, Ron DeSantis had nothing to gain by, by debating Gavin Newsom. I don't get it. Even Newsom said going in, not that I take his word as, as some sort of gospel, but even he said, I'm not running for anything. Why is this guy debating me? Uh, it can't do, help him at all. Now, I think DeSantis won. If you're just going to stand back uh, objectively, I think he wins because Gavin Newsom was lying the whole time about his record. But having said that, Newsom was much smoother. He he is somebody who looks like he's been trained by Hollywood. And I don't think that this helps the Republican candidate at all. But you stepped away from it and you sort of wrote an article letting Gavin Newsom know how bad a governor he really is. So you're watching that. I've never lived in California. Visited. Beautiful there. But it's being run like a bunch of idiots. When you watch the debate, were you yelling at the screen? Were you were you were you throwing things at the TV? What were you doing? Um, it was one of those things where like it was on and I dip in and out like I, I had other stuff, more important stuff going on with like my family, like unloading the dishwasher Picking my nose, um, I don't know, smoking a Marlboro Red. Uh, but, you know, just things that were just more important than really super duper honing into listening to one guy who, yeah, might not have been quite as polished, but has a record, can sit there and go, yes. here's what we did. Here's how we made things better. Here's how we'd like to continue making things better. And we're willing to like work as a team to do that. Here's also like all of the stuff that you've done. Can you speak to that? And then you get Gavin Newsom who just stands there and goes, well, well, I'm a hairdo with big teeth and (laughs) I'm going to give gay books to your children. And if you don't like that, you're racist. And if you keep. I don't remember him saying I'm I'm a hairdo with teeth. I don't remember him saying I'm a hairdo with teeth. Did he actually say that? I don't know. Looked like it. Um, no, but it, it is like that's all he really does. Like, I, may, I make light of it, but that really is all that Gavin Newsom did during that. Like I didn't hear a single solution that he has to any problem. I didn't even really hear him admit that there were like that many problems. And after living under Gavin Newsom, like I used to visit California before he came governor when it was uh, Jerry Brown still, I believe. Right. You know, this is like 2005 to 2010. It was amazing. Like, even after, like, the financial crisis hit, like, in 2008, California was this incredible escape. Not just for me and my family, but for basically, I mean, God, like, honestly, thinking off the top of my head, pretty much every family I know at some point during that five-year period, because I don't want to get into, like, financial stuff but basically it was very cheap if you were british to come and travel in america back then like very cheap um just the way the exchange rate worked so we would spend a lot of time in california a lot of our friends would it was just one of those go-to tourist destinations and now you know it was kind of scary i guess during the George Floyd riots, and that was sort of right around the same time that the homeless crisis just became par for the course. Obviously, like, the pandemic made everything worse. Um, You know, Los Angeles was going downhill, and California in general was going downhill for quite a long time before that. Like, San Francisco has been going downhill since, I would say, probably, like, 2012, 2013, you know, give or take. Right. Um, Watching that decline happen so rapidly... Like, we're talking about just over a 10-year span where paradise turned into hell. 
And all of that happened under Gavin Newsom and his failed political policies that he pitched as being things like, oh, we're going to be soft on crime because like everyone who's in jail isn't white and that's terrible and you're all racist, remember? Um, so we're going to let everyone out of the jails um, because they've actually been really good and everyone before me was like really racist. Don't know if I mentioned that. Um, so we're just going to let everyone yeah. out and uh, obviously everything he's saying is like a lie apart from no, the fact no, no. that well, actually, you're right. Everything he says is a lie. But but here's here's the question. Had Gavin Newsom been honest in that debate, I would have had more respect for the guy, not that he wants my respect, if he would have said, yeah, we're showing these books to, to little kids in elementary school, and here's the reason why I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, you could steal $950 worth of stuff from the CVS and you won't be charged with a crime. Here's why I think that's a good idea. Yeah, homelessness sucks, but here's why we have these encampments, and this is why it's going on. What, what bothers me about a guy like him, or any politician, fill in the name politician, who does what he does, is they're so adept at lying that either he believes what he's saying to be true, and it's not, or he knows it's not true, and he just is like the devil incarnate, and is that good at lying. I, I can't figure out which one it is, because nothing he said that night was true. He was just making things up the entire night, or he came in knowing it was going to be a conservative audience, trying to ingratiate himself to the audience by saying what DeSantis was saying was not true. Um, so what do you think it is? Is he just that good a liar? I don't even think he was lying. I think it was spin. I didn't, I didn't see him say anything. Like everything that came out of his mouth was ideological, and it came from a place without any kind of substance. Um, he didn't really touch upon any of the major issues that are actually impacting Americans. Right. He just went for all the same tropes. And it's interesting. I was having a conversation with a friend recently. Um, it's a it's a long story, but basically it came down to this thing where a lot of, I guess, conservatives are. Not like worried about the direction the Republican Party is going in. I think it's just more a case of like, what are they doing at this point? Like, because I just I don't get it. Like some of them are looking for UFOs and like, that's it. Right. Um, but I think the issue is when people like Gavin Newsom get up and just stand there and just make the ideological argument where the attacks coming out, they don't sound personal. But they are. It's like your party does this and that's why you're bad. So I did this one little thing to try and make it better and let's not talk about anything else. So say, for example, like, I don't know, I met a conservative woman out here in Raleigh. And one of the things that she said that she was a bit worried about with people like Ron DeSantis was like, well, what about the gay community? Because even though I'm conservative, my son's gay and I don't want his rights to be stripped away. And it's like, no one's trying to strip your son's rights away. Like, that's just what Democrats want you to think of conservatives. And you're not that bright. Like, she's not. She's not a smart woman. And I'm like, there's a lot of reasons I don't <laughs> like her. But it was also like one of those things where I was like, there's a lot of stupid conservatives who might have a gay relative who might actually be kind of not that into guns because maybe they had some kind of traumatic experience. When they hear someone like Gavin Newsom say basically nothing but make noises like he's going in the right direction ideologically, right. 
they're going to latch onto that. It's the same reason that all liberals latch onto it. It's because they're all stupid, and I hate well, that. Well, I no, can't swear to emphasize that point. I don't think the liberals are as stupid as the conservatives you're talking about are, because the liberals are who they are, and they believe what they believe, and they, generally speaking, will fight to the death over it. Conservatives, like the one that you mentioned, don't realize there's a Richard Grinnell out there and, and Brandon Strzok out there, and these people who are openly gay saying, it doesn't matter, I'm still conservative. The log cabin conservatives, for God's sakes, is mm-hmm. a conservative group of uh, comprised of gay people. So the idea that she has in her head is from Gavin Newsom that night saying, Ron, you're attacking the gay community and the LGBTQXYZ. Or, Ron, you're attacking women. You don't care about women's rights. And he ignored, as you said, the meat of the issues, which was, why are you teaching a third grader this? Why is that going on? Why is this book available? Why is there a poop map for San Francisco, for God's sakes, in your California? And then his, his answer was, as you said, some ridiculous trope that he knew would score points with the audience. It was, it was maddening to watch. I, in fact, and I do this for a living, shut it off before it was over. I didn't want to watch it anymore. There was no meat and potatoes I could take away from that. And, and at the end of the day, DeSantis won. I don't think he should have done it. No. I mean... The only thing I would say is that I saw a side of Ron DeSantis that I feel has been massively missing from his campaign trail. Again, like Ron DeSantis isn't going to be the nominee. I really don't believe he will be unless, you know, I mean, God, I say that. But at this point, if the aliens invaded, I'd be like, all right, then it really wouldn't surprise me at this point. Do you think the aliens are pulling for DeSantis? No, I don't even think that like here anymore, (laughs) dude. Like, I don't even know. Um, He's not going to be the nominee. It did not give him the boost that he wanted. He's not going to win Iowa or or New Hampshire. It's going to be Trump the entire time. I just think it was a waste of time. I really do. It's K-Smythe. Go to ksmythe.com. Smythe has an E at the end because she's Welsh. And uh, and also check out everything she does in the Daily Caller on Newsmax and elsewhere. Let's get into this. Scientists say the big one is on the way. And when you say the big one, I don't know if that's an earthquake. I don't know if that's a volcano. I don't know if that's a snowstorm. What is the big one that we're looking out for? As a solar storm, and uh, contrary to popular belief, solar activity doesn't really have any impact on weather or climate or anything like that. What it will do is, uh, say, for example, Joe, like me and you could be sat here right now, right, having this conversation, people all over the world listening, tuning in to Joe Pags. Then someone's listening on, I don't know, some roadway coming out of Atlanta, and there's a (laughs) kind of crackling noise going on. The lights start flashing, like they're going on and off in here. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? Then they get really bright and burn out. And all of a sudden, you're not able to connect to anyone else in your control room. You can't get in touch with anyone. You pick up your phone to look at it and go, well, why isn't my phone turning on? And why is it so hot? Like, what the heck is happening? Every single technological device, including all of the wiring in your car, everything is now rendered useless and there's no coming back from it. That's what, what a really what? bad solar storm does. Well, let, me, not let me ask you this. The, I'm, I'm a technology guy, and mm-hmm. I, I love technology. There have been times where, for no reason, my phone has gotten really hot. You're telling me that has to do with the sun? No, that's and it wasn't. It, was, just, it wasn't yeah. indirect sunlight. No. Um, that, I mean, probably it's just like your battery. I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, a solar storm, like a geomagnetic storm, is like right. sort of more technical term. It's basically when the sun ejects this massive amount of like plasma and particles. They then interact with the Earth's uh, magnetic field. So back in about 18, I want to say 1859, 1857, You know, this is right when all the telegraph poles are going up all over the place. Uh, This is when sort of, you know, long range radio radio, 
um, different, those sorts of communications were just coming to fruition. We had one of these giant like magnetic storms and it broke everything. Like we had to basically start from scratch and like patches. I mean, it doesn't impact every part of the world in the same way. Um, and there's no way to know how it is going to impact any part of the world when it hits. Um, but basically we were knocked back at that point in many places to like going back to, you know, sending blimmin carrier pigeons wow. because it just, that's just what the sun is capable of doing. And and does, like, it, does it just happen? I mean, is there any cause and effect? Is it just something that we hope that we can predict and stay ahead of? What do we do about it? NASA's getting a little bit better at predicting it. Um, I wrote up a study today where this uh, this team out in, I think it was somewhere in like Scandinavia, Switzerland, somewhere like that, was like, we figured out a way to basically figure out how one of these storms will impact different areas in different ways. So like me sitting here, like in just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, someone the other side of, uh, I don't know, like Newburn, someone out in Newburn, I guess, like right down on the coast, uh, they might not have any impact from a solar storm. They might just get like a couple of flickering lights and, you know, uh, they're not able to use their cell service for a while or whatever. Um, but out here, again, could be knocked back to the dark ages. We really don't know because we haven't been through a big one. And as you know, Joe, I'm obsessed with all things the apocalypse. Yes. And I was having a long conversation with a friend of mine yesterday who is like, very big in that sort of world has like a youtube show like this is one of like he's not he doesn't say he's an expert in this stuff but he knows enough about it that yeah. he is um and i was like dude what do you think it's gonna be what do you really think is gonna be the next big thing that resets us and i'd always felt like it was solar and he just goes solar storm wow. like you know we're talking about the kind of thing that would firstly if, if one of these really big storms hit and it went the way that we know it can go, there's a whole movie about this, actually, that Dennis Quaid produced. It's called Grid Down, Power Up, and it's, it's only about an hour, and it's a fascinating watch. Um, if one of these things hit, Joe, we wouldn't, like where we are in the country, we wouldn't probably ever find out it, like when Joe Biden dies. Like even if he lived till about 100 years old, the... The way we depend on technology right now, not only are we talking about like total civilization collapse and, you know, these things, we knew that we were entering a period of heightened solar activity at the end of this year. It started on Friday. It'll be on and off probably through the start of next year. But realistically, we don't know when the big one is going right. to hit. But That's it's scary fair stuff. to say that if you don't know how to grow vegetables and you don't have a fresh water source nearby, you're either ending up in a camp or you're ending up being someone's food and water source. Well, I, I, we don't want to. Uh, we don't want to be that. Uh, uh, by the way, do you have uh, Dennis Quaid's phone number? Oh my God, no! Can I get yeah. it? Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, it's K. What? Well, it's Kate Smythe. <laughs> Go to KSmythe.com. You can uh, check out everything he does on the Daily Caller, also on Newsmax. Kate, maybe a minute, but but I need to know because you not only. Are you all about the apocalypse? You're all about the climate. You're all about, I mean, you know so much about so much. You're also all about history. So talk to me about what, what, what this latest article is on King Tut and the pharaohs. Oh, yeah. So there's like this thing called the curse of King Tut, which okay. basically like everyone who found his uh, sarcophagus, who was there when it was opened, all that kind of stuff. They died. Every single one of them died within like five, six months of that happening. Some of them died within three months of finding it. So 
the sort of curse of King Tut was a bit of a misnomer. It sort of came more out of tabloids at the time. Right. But it turns out that like a lot of like a terrifying number of people who are there when a sarcophagus is first opened, sort of revealing the mummy inside of it. Mo like more of them are going to die than not within Why? like six months because people are people are stupid, Joe. People are <laughs> dumb. And it's like, hey, guys, why don't we open this giant box that has preserved a dead body and whatever it died from for like 2,000 years? That's a really like, good point. It's basically like, a, guys, why don't we go swim? Well, I was, I, was more, I was more nefarious thinking about it. I thought maybe they put some poison. If you open this, you're going to die. Could that, that be as well or no? It's actually whatever he died from. What was King Tut? A teenager, right? I, I don't even know. No, he was a deity, I think, according to all them. Um, ancient <laughs> Egypt. So I don't want to disrespect um, any believers out there. I don't want to be like... I thought he was the boy king. I thought that was his nickname. I can't remember. I don't really know. You say I know a lot about history, but I'm more sort of like, here's how we've nearly all died in the past. So it's, it, all goes back to, yeah. it all goes back to the end of time, then. Yeah. If there's If there's history that points to Armageddon, you're in. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, listen, it's always a happy conversation. <laughs> It's com. Go check out everything she does over on uh, The Daily Caller. She posts all the link, uh, links over on X. It's just K-Smythe. And again, with an E at the end. K, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, talk in a bit. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. Thanks a lot for stopping by today. Those interviews will be back up and running on uh, Rumble tonight. Make sure you go check that out. Rumble.com slash Joe Pags. Got a lot coming your way this week. We will have Liz Collin on this program. She's a former journalist in uh, Minneapolis, former TV re news anchor and reporter. She's actually put this story together, this movie, The Fall of Minneapolis. We're going to talk a lot about that coming up this week. A lot of other people coming as well. That's Polo. That is Sam. That is Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.